I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Monday. Man, oh man, what a weekend we've had here in Great Britain. We are almost at the final point of COVID restrictions being lifted. So much is going on today. If you're watching on video, you saw the playbook video before we got on. If you're not, and this is an audio, if you are watching on video, you also know who today's guest is. But if this is an audio only for you, don't forget to head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk, grab your PDF version of the Fantasy Football Playbook 2021 edition, but it's also now on Amazon. So if you do want a paperback, head over to Amazon, find yourself the 2021 playbook and get it in your basket. Get it primed to you, get it tomorrow. Happy days, big man. How you doing, fella? Hey, happy days to my fellow um, best-selling number one American football book on Amazon UK right now, the Fantasy Football Playbook author. So cheers to you, big man. You got your order. I've got my my tea because it's still softer stuff, but... Um, <laughs> massively humbled and the book dropped on Friday and it went straight into number one at, at Amazon. It's a real 
humbling experience and we've got a fellow author here who's who's killing it in terms of his book as well i can't wait to get to but momentous day with the lockdown lifting not quite out of the woods yet but it's just um it's been a heck of a week man not just with the book launching but wonderful interaction on twitter with people and yeah it's been it's been awesome like just thank you to everyone who's bought the book like honestly from the bottom of my heart it, it means the world and if you haven't bought it yet and waiting for payday, then then jump on and enjoy it and reach out when you do ask questions. We'll set up some leagues. We'll have some fun. Absolutely. And before, if you are watching live, we would like a huge favor, head over to ball Blast's current uh, poll on Twitter. They're running a, a Twitter about fellow people in the industry and our boy, Rich is in the semifinals and there's only a couple of hours, if not an hour to go. So if you could vote for Rich to get to the final, we would be hugely appreciative rush nation, but Murph alluded to it a minute ago. We are joined by fellow author. He is the author of the analytics of dynasty contributor at the football guys and host of the analytics of dynasty podcast It's Jordan McNamara. Jordan, welcome back, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Congratulations on the book launch. It's nice. And I'm glad you guys are sort of getting out of the lockdown mode over there. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good week here. So it's glad to be with you guys. Oh, it's, it's good to have you. It's been a, it's been a while too long since we had you on. And uh, we were talking a little bit off air, but tell us a little bit about what's been going on with you since, uh, since you were last on January last year. Yeah, you know, just I got the release of the Analytics of Dynasty 2021 edition. This is the 3.0 version. So each one of them's each one of them's a little different in terms of what they focus on. There's not really a ton of overlap. They they build on each other to some degree, but I don't do it like a college textbook type deal. It's not you just you know re recycle content and slap a new number on it and and you know, call it another edition. It's whole new research, whole new topics and all that sort of thing. So, so lots of that stuff, um, you know, and then I have my subscription over there at analytics at dynasty.com. Uh, I do dynasty daily podcasts. Uh, we've got a dynasty trade finder, uh, dynasty real draft position tracker, which tracks real drafts, uh, startup drafts, rookie drafts, tells you where players are actually going. You see player movements going on all the time, you know, to watch Deshaun Watson's player movement, you know, and the trades associated with him over the past uh, six weeks, two months that uh, we've had this thing up and going, it's been very illuminating in terms of, in terms of value and all those things. So it's been a, it's been a really good, um, you know, really good start to the year and all that stuff's going on. And it's just good to be on with you guys. It's it's so good to have you back. I thoroughly enjoyed our show last time. And uh, we, we were really unfortunate when lockdown sort of happened and, and we went into the season everyone's schedules like we our schedule got massively messed up we haven't recorded together since uh in person although we have seen each other um and we didn't really have as many guests on as we liked so we're getting through to people now it's so good to to have you back and you know the the new book's phenomenal tell us um what's different i know we talked about the 2.0 last time you were on which was amazing i think it was about the time of launch um talk us about 3.0 because you've also got a couple of guests um uh contributors i know our fellow well expat i guess he's no longer british he's american in my eye peter howdy he's uh he's, he's american now he might sound a bit british but he, he's american uh i know he contributed a bit what's so what's new in the in the book for 2021 for for our listeners yeah so the big thing with with this is uh you know the 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 addition of contributors and uh, i thought a while about you know what i want the analytics of dynasty to be when I wrote the first one, I had, I just wanted it to be a dynasty book, right? I didn't really have, um, you know, just something that somewhat you could buy and forever use. Um, so that's kind of the the angle with it. 
it has always been a uh, evergreen type of thing, right? It's not, you know, pick Will Fuller this year at this price type of thing. It's, hey, here's a successful profile that's, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, and here's the sort of prices you go for and this is kind of what you look for. Um, and so it's more strategic than it is tactical in any sense. So I've been, you know, and then I did 2.0 and I've, I've tried to think about, you know, what I want the analytics of Dynasty to be. Uh, and I, I want it to be strategic and I want it to have different ideas that sort of push the envelope and, and uh, progress our thinking forward in terms of in terms of positions, how we think about players, how we think about strategic decision making, all that stuff. So I decided to incorporate some some um, contributors. Uh, Chad Parsons, my co-host at Football Guys, contributed uh, something on roster retention rate, which I wouldn't have set out to do what he did, but what he did basically confirms everything I sort of suspected about, about how long players are on our roster, which is really interesting. And people way overestimate the longevity of players. Um, so that's, that was interesting. Peter Howard did something really fascinating on, on basically rookie metrics. So he went through basically all the metrics that really matter for rookies and put it all in one place, which is something that I always thought needed to be done. There's so many stats, breakout age, dominator ring, all these things there's never been like a glossary of it or kind of like an overview of the entire topic. There's a lot of ad hoc pieces. And so I have always been really interested in like, let's make that a strategic thing. So he, he contributed that. And then something that was really fascinating to me and a lot of people had asked about was tight end premium. And, you know, when you start two tight ends or when you, when you mess around the, the PPR scoring or something like that, how does that affect the positions? And Scott Connor of the Dynasty and Chill podcast, he did a whole uh, chapter on that, which is really interesting. It sort of shows how the how the the rates move around a little bit in terms of uh, you know how often you should start them based on the format and the scoring. It's a really interesting thing, and there's more that goes into it than just jacking the PPR scoring either up or down. It's a really really interesting read, and I've been able to incorporate it in some in some key places. So. Um, so that's all the contributors. And then I did my normal thing, you know, a lot of, a lot of looking at profiles, um, you know, a lot of looking, uh, how to identify really successful profiles. Um, you know, two guys that I love this year based on some of my profile research is Clyde Edwards, Larry, and Josh Jacobs, like they're elite profiles trading at not elite costs. And that's like a smash situation. Um, and so I did a lot of that stuff, um, rookie drafts some different strategies and rookie drafts, um, you know, uh, thinking about one thing I really liked this year too, was I did a whole piece on just strategy in terms of taking stuff from outside of fit dynasty fantasy football and applying it to dynasty fantasy football, thinking about, you know, the decisions that we make. I stole the idea of a book called 10, 10, 10 by a woman by the name of Susie Welch. Uh, and I transformed it into two, two, two. So you think about your decisions in two weeks, two months, two years, time frame, short, medium, and long term. Sort of look back at your decisions, sort of through that lens, and how you're going to try and impact your team. A lot of that stuff has really been helpful in terms of shaping the way I think about the process of playing Dynasty. And I think it's been pretty successful for the for the readers as well. Yeah, it's first of all, it's fascinating, and and I encourage anyone who's listening now who's joined us on the journey since you were last on to go back and listen to the first podcast that you were on back. It was January 2020 because we it's quite timeless. We didn't get into too many player profiles. We talked a lot more about the general concepts of dynasty football, some strategy around it um, for all different 
um, scenarios for like win now, etc. And it, it's timeless. And I, I strongly urge, in fact, I'm going to retweet the link out after this is aired for people to go and download because it was fascinating and, and a really good discussion. And I think what I love about the analytics of Dynasty is because it's not, it's as you say, it's not a year to year guide. It's not something that you read it and it's done. It's like, great, uh, next year, it's going to be completely different. It's just going to give me the latest players to draft. It, it's strategically there to make you a better player, to improve your decision-making process. And you can go back and read last year's version or two years ago version and go and learn things that maybe you didn't even understand or you didn't grasp or you didn't um, wasn't as applicable to you in that situation if you had a load of new drafts and new start of drafts and now you're two, three years in, that stuff's more applicable. And I think that's what I really love about it is is, is each edition is not just a yearly guide. It's a development. It's like a college course. I think you put it right. It's like just every year, it's it's how do you expand and get better. And I, I love it. Um, where can people go and buy um, this this the book and, and where can people sort of get involved because you have a great community as well. Where can people get involved in, in that? Yeah, you can go to, you can go to analytics of dynasty.com. Uh, and I sell the, uh, the book right there. I actually have, um, I think that the, the analytics of dynasty is best consumed in two parts basically. So I have the 2021 edition again, it's really tough. It, the toughest part of, and you guys probably, experiences to some degree too. If you explore an idea in a past book, I don't want to just, I think I'm doing a disservice to my yearly subscribers to just write it again. But so much of what happened, you know, so much of what I think builds off of what I've learned in the past, right? So, so much of the 2021 edition, um, not all of it, but a lot of it is branching off of ideas, right? If the 2020 edition is sort of the tree, 2021, there's a lot of branches that, that uh, from, from the 2020 edition that I explore in 2021, there's a lot of different stuff too, but there's some key things. So it's a balance between, you know, rewriting what I wrote in 2020 to expand on, you know, to expand 10 pages on it, you know, it, it becomes a little arduous and I don't want to sort of shortchange the subscriber either. So I think the best way to, to consume the analytics of dynasty 2021 edition is to do them both. It's to read 2020. Again, it's all evergreen. Read 2020 and then read 2021. So I have a bundle up on the website. You can do that analyticsdynasty.com um, right in the shop. And you can go, you can get the bundle, start with 2020 and then build on 2021. Because a lot of it is, there's a lot of things in that 2020 edition that are so foundational that you're, I think you're at a disservice if you read the 2021 edition without that. So um, that would be the way that I would, cons- I would suggest to consume it. So I got a bundle there um, and it's, it's cheaper than it would be for the individual books. Uh, it's 50 bucks for both of them. And it, again, if you're playing dynasty, right, it's a, it's an investment worth, it's a, it's worth the investment, I think. Um, and then I also have a, a you know, a, a, a subscription service. So I do, a, I release a podcast every day and I've released a podcast every day since, well, it actually started during COVID last year. Um, and then I sort of stopped uh, in like July, but now I, I sort of relaunched. That was on Patreon. I relaunched it as analyticsdynasty.com. And I've released a podcast every day since uh, it's between Christmas and New Year's. And I'll do it probably all the way, at least up until the start of the NFL season. I got to sort of see how the NFL season schedule is going to work um, and sort of what I can do. But I think I'm just going to do it every day. It, it makes 
makes no sense to stop now. Um, so I do all that. And then I have a, I have a Patreon or I have a, a subscriber group me chat, which is great. Um, lots of ideas in there, constant drafts going on, which is fantastic because you're constantly getting ideas and new idea, uh, you know, getting basically reps, you know, getting, getting team building reps going on, which is great. I got my dynasty tiers, um, and all the trade finder stuff and everything as well. So, um, so yeah, you can find that all at analytics at dynasty.com. And if you get, if you subscribe to the website, you get a free copy of the 2021 edition. Um, we'll put links in the show notes. People, honestly, we get a lot of people on and, and, you know, we only really get people on whose work we consume ourselves um, because we believe in it. You know, it'd be so easy to just, you know, bring anybody on the push stuff, but, you know, genuinely it's made me a better dynasty player. And I, I'm certainly as a result of reading it, a far more aggressive dynasty player. I feel, I feel like at times I was quite, I don't say conservative um, because I, I, I kind of now know, what I'm very much a, I like to win now, mm-hmm. but I think what the books help me with is after you go through that initial win now, whether you win or you don't win, how can you reload quickly mm-hmm. with value? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you reload? So you almost you know if we're looking at a real world scenario, what the Buccaneers did, mm-hmm. they were a team that kind of pushed the chips in, didn't work, very spectacularly fell off, load of investment in free agency, couldn't even get in the playoffs, and then over the course of a year or two, how do they build to contend with without really mortgaging the entire future? And and that's what I like about the book is it gave me a lot more because I, I, I find rebuilds like a strong, like three, four year project, really difficult. Um, <laughs> there are people out there that love it and, and hats off to you, but I, I like to win. Um, and I think what the book does, it gives you ways to be competitive. Maybe you're not going to win the title, but maybe you can get yourself into the playoffs and have a competitive season just by making some small tweaks to your strategy and all round play. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I, you know, one of the things I, I, the analytics of dynasty writing process has really guided me in terms of specific situations, which I didn't know when I wrote, but I wrote in a way that I had done research that allowed me to, in the moment, understand exactly what's happening and understand exactly what it's worth. And a, a, a classic example of that is Deshaun Watson, right? How do you deal with the risk that is Deshaun Watson? First, you have to identify what the risk is. And then you've got to identify what it's worth. You know, how much that should that discount you? Uh, you know, I'm seeing him go, you know, fourth, fifth round in some drafts. And just to give you an idea, when you're sort of looking at, you know, in that range of, of drafts, you're looking at, you know, what's the, what's the odds that you get two top 12 seasonal finishes out of a quarterback in that range? You're probably looking somewhere in the, you know, 50, 60% range, right? That, and that's probably a little generous. Um, if, if Watson misses a year, right? If that's sort of what we're, what, what the risk, what the risk you sort of attribute to a guy like Sean Watson is, well, what's, what's the odds that he's going to outproduce uh, in three years? What the, what the cost of, or, you know, the, the quarterback that you would be getting in the fourth round uh, historically, he's going to crush that, right? He's going to crush that historically. Um, he's a massive, he's one of those ones for me that 
in a pre-analytics of dynasty world, I wouldn't have known what to do with. Um, but when you sort of gauge, hey, listen, I'm trading a mid to later first round rookie pick, or I'm sort of treating him as a fourth or fifth round startup pick. I understand. And I think my readers understand now what that means in terms of, you know, the, the odds of hitting in that range, you know, the odds of a, a significant uh, difference maker in that range, especially at the rookie pick cost. I mean, you might be getting like 30, 40%, something like that in terms of guys making a true big time difference. And you're going to get a guy who's on a hall of fame track. And basically the cost is you're, you're going to, you know, you think maybe you lose a year, right? That's kind of what, what my, what the, the tax that I'm putting on Deshaun Watson right now is that's a smash situation, right? And that's, that's embracing, that's not being afraid to lose. That's trying to win. Right. And I think that that's the thing that with the analytics of dynasty, it's really been able to sort of contextualize the decisions that we're thinking about and something that, uh, you know, when, when, as we sort of look forward, all these situations present themselves, Tyreek Hill, for example, you know, how do you deal with a guy like Josh Jacobs who's falling in price and it makes virtually zero sense in terms of from a profile, just take the name out of it for a second, just from a profile perspective, how do you sort of deal with that? And, you know, how do you sort of compare him to other guys? You know, how do you compare a guy like Clyde edwards Lair to the incoming rookies? You know, how do you sort of do all those things? And that's all stuff that's there, right, in the analytics of Dynasty. And it's those are things that I sort of look at and can tell you, you know, hey, this is kind of what historically this, this decision has been worth to you. And this is the edge that you have. And it's a, it's very helpful in terms of when all the bullets are flying in in season to be able to adjust to that, or when they're moving quick in a Deshaun Watson like situation, right? You kind of need to know what it's worth and what the risk is. Um, and then what you're paying, what the risk is on what you're paying, because people way underestimate the risk on what their, the rookie picks and, and some of the existing startup picks and all that stuff. People way underestimate those risks and, you know, probably overestimating the risk to Deshaun Watson ultimately. So those situations sort of when you frame it like that, I think it's really helpful. See, the Deshaun Watson thing is something I've been thinking about a lot over the past week. And I've been watching different drafts, different moves, where he's going, etc. Right. And I'm doing some redraft best balls. I'm doing some redraft analyst views and, and current trends and I'm tracking where he's going. Right. And redraft, they get it. Right. Redraft, he's going 10th round now. Fine. I, I get that because he could miss eight games. He could miss the season. Like, I get mm-hmm. it. But in Dynasty, the one thing that's made me fascinated about Deshaun Watson, and this is something that I think is kind of between the lines. I play in a lot of leagues with people in the UK and I play a lot of the leagues with people in the US. The people in the US are quite happy to deal in. They're quite happy to deal him. I feel like you can have a conversation about Deshaun Watson, about cost and value. You might not always get him, but there's a conversation. And the bigger, and you know that you can go back to that conversation. You know that as soon as the news comes down, you can you can reopen the talks and you can go and you can go and get a deal done. Mm-hmm. Whether you do it now, whether you do it three months from now, ultimately for 2021, it doesn't matter when you do the deal for Deshaun Watson. It's not really gonna matter. You're going to get it done at some point if you're desperate enough or, or you see the value enough and can find the right price. In the UK, in UK players in general, and I'm speaking very generally. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to at me uh, and say that I'm not like that. I appreciate it. The The market to get Deshaun Watson is virtually nil. 
Interesting. It is very, very, very difficult because, and the thing I've noticed between the, the different countries when I play, in the UK, people are absolutely adamant not to lose an asset. The fear of missing out, the fear of selling something that goes on to be great is far greater than the opportunity cost to try and acquire something else or to acquire something in the short term. And that culture, it's like a cultural thing. UK players do not want to let go of an asset because they'll rather take the knee for the year and say, all right, he goes out for a year. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. I'll take the hit. Yeah. I'll take the hit. I'll swallow it because I'm not going to sell him to you because next year you're going to have him and he's going to be great. Right. Whereas I feel in America or American players are quite happy to, to deal him at a price if they can see the opportunity to win now and they can get the pieces or the surrounding. And then also, I think there's a belief element with certain players that they don't want this bad behavior on their team. Um, we seen it with Tyreek Hill. I, I saw people dump Tyreek Hill for very, very small amount because it was, I don't want to, whatever he was accused of, I, I know I'm just not going to verbalize it. Um, I don't want that behavior associated with my team. Um, and there was a real sort of moralistic view. I don't know. Well, have you, you play with people all over the world. Do you, do you think that? Because that's the feeling I get is that I feel like in America, I can acquire or get on the path to acquiring Watson. But over here, no, no chance. It's a really interesting cultural phenomenon. Um, and, uh, you know, it's probably some of the, the worst American traits coming out in us in terms of the lack of patience and, and all of that stuff, right? Refusal to play the long game, right? That's, that's, <laughs> the cultural difference between what we're doing and what you guys are doing. Um, well, no, I, well, I, I would say in reverse to that, I would say we're Brits. <laughs> we're just too stubborn to let the other guy win. Okay. It's right, like, right. no, it, it's more like, no, I'm not going to give you something that's going to help you win the championship next year. I just flat out refuse. Like I would rather lose if it meant you lost. Yeah. So it's interesting. (laughs) It's a stubbornness. Yeah. That's so that's interesting. Yeah. I I was, I was, uh, I was going to take the, the, uh, the stereotypical American, uh, anti-American view on it. Um, I, you know, I'll listen. I think that, um, so in my day job, uh, I used to do these types of cases, um, in terms of, uh, you know, I did some of them civilly and I, I was a former prosecutor. I am a prosecutor now. I don't do those cases anymore. And I'm just speaking for me um, in this, not anyone else that employs me. But I, I have been guided by this process of, hey, I think that there's a reasonable chance that they're going to resolve this thing in the sense of, I think there's going to be probably a settlement at some point. Uh, and I think that you know, if I was representing Deshaun Watson, my goal would be we're going to limit our damage and we've got a lot of money to do it with, right? And so what are we trying to limit? Well, we're trying not to go to prison, right? And we're trying to uh, protect our long-term longevity. So that's kind of how I came to the year calculus. Like if you got to sacrifice a year to do, you know, to play 10, right? That's, that's, that's worth it in terms of just the pure finances of it. Um, but I think that there's a way that he can not miss any time. Um, and I think that that's happening behind the scenes. It looks like there's some, you know, flirtation about them potentially settling this flirtation is probably the wrong word. Um, you know, that there's some negotiations, there's some smoke there to that fire. Um, and you know, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense for him. 
And I think that he can do that in a way that probably protects him from getting suspended. So we'll see. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing with me. Like, again, I'll, what, what impacts your team more it's upside, right? Like to, and I talked about this in a prior edition, prior uh, edition of the analytics dynasty, but it's an eight, it's, you got to think in an 8% type way, right? To win, you need to be in the top 8%, right? You need to finish one, typically one out of 12 is your typical dynasty league. How do you do that? Well, you have to take calculated high upside bets, right? It's not just playing willy nilly, but it is playing, it is playing dynasty in a way that takes, um, it takes uh, an asset that, and, and you need assets that have asymmetric risk, right? That the downside isn't that great, but the upside is enormous. And he's the type of player that when you sort of do the math on him, he can win you two games, right? That turns a, a seven win team, a seven and six win team, you know, we'll have to redo the math on that seven and seven. Now, I guess with the four, with the 17 game or the, the 18 game schedule or whatever, and the, I got to figure, I got to re got to rework my math on some of these uh, wins over replacement stuff, but he's the type of guy that can shift a couple of wins for you. And that's a big deal. Right? That is an enormous, there's not many people that do that. He's the type that can for a decade. And like, that's worth a lot. And if I'm paying, you know, I, I traded 106 straight up for him and, and actually a two quarterback league, and I don't necessarily need him, but he's going, Why wouldn't he? he's going <laughs> to, right. I mean, and here's the thing, like if, if, if it settles, which I think is going to happen, he's going to go up in price. And so I am basically making a bet on, you know, kind of, I've got a lot of outs. And right? if you're thinking in like a poker sense, I got a ton of outs, but I, I have, a near term out and I've got a long term out, which long term it works out. Near term, like, you know, if it settles on Thursday, his price is gonna go up two rounds. Almost overnight, his price is gonna go up two rounds. And that's something that I really think like that's the types of bets that can make a massive difference. Like that, that's a huge difference. Um, you know, the person that I did the trade with, he said, you know, listen, I just need a quarterback this year. And he took Justin Fields which that's great. Like I like Justin Fields and I'm a, I'm a fan of Justin Fields, but he like, and I think he was the best player in the, in the draft over Trevor Lawrence. Um, but <laughs> all of that said, there's a huge difference between being running, uh, you know, rookie one, rookie two, rookie three, whatever you, wherever you put fields and a guy that's on a hall of fame track to start his career. That's just, um, you know, a continental divide level of, of difference in terms of players. Um, you know, we're, we're reaching all the way across the ocean, <laughs> like the show. Um, that's, it's just such a big difference. So, um, so for me, like, that's just a clear, I mean, that's a, that's a massive upside bet and at, at a cost that's not that high. Yeah. I I'm with you. I think if you, any first, even the one I want, I, I would do it yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. If, wouldn't even hesitate because I, I'm with you. I'm reading between the tea leaves. I'm not quite as bullish as you. I do think he gets a, a suspension, mm-hmm. but I think it's a prearranged suspension, similar to what happened to Jameis Winston, where there was clear discussion that he would come out, he'll make a statement, he won't appeal the suspension. It'll be something, it will have to be more than what Jameis got, which was three, but I can't see it being six. Mm-hmm. I think the number's going to land at like four. If they can settle the cases, so yeah. and that's it. Yeah. If they can settle the cases, I can see a path to him getting a four-game ban at the start of the season. 
and then he's back for 13 games. Right. And then what? Like four, what's four games at the start of the season right. for the Texans? It's, it's, right. it's, man, we've seen that with Brady, right? We've seen that. And I, I actually think I'd even go more bullish. And the reason why I actually think that, that there's a chance that he gets no suspension um, is because if he settles it in a way that sort of agrees to not disclose anything, right? They do a non-disclosure agreement. They're kind of common in these scenarios. Uh, the NFL has no basis to suspend him. I don't think, right. Cause they're probably not interview. They're not able to interview all the women and all that stuff. So I think that there's that option. The other thing too, is, you know, as a general rule, if he violates the personal conduct policy, it's a six game suspension and you can sort of move it up or down from there. Um, you know, if he violates, let me take that back for a second. If he violates it in this specific way. So there's some specific ways you can violate the personal conduct policy in a, sexual assault or you know um uh, this type of case would fall under the it'd be a it'd be a six game threshold that would be the threshold uh suspension and then you can move it up or down you know a lot of times it'll get moved down the person takes responsibility you know all those things there's some upside risk too which is sort of why i calculate a year because there's a lot of people right so you sort of there's a lot of things going on here but i like the, and the thing with, with all of these is like, we've never really seen a guy that's like played been just absolutely suspended out of the league. Ray Rice, uh, but he was sort of getting to the end, but like Kareem Hunt that happened on video, like Joe Mixon that happened on video. Darius Geis had some other stuff going on. So I'm not necessarily sure that he's one, but I mean, Zeke had this suspension, heck Brady with the, the flight gate stuff, Roethlisberger going back. I mean, hell, Mike Vick went to prison, right? I mean, you know, Plexico Burris went to prison. These guys all came back and there's only at any given time, there's like 20 guys that uh, can be franchise quarterbacks that are eligible to, you know, that are walking the face of the earth and eligible to play. Um, and he's one of them and he's probably going to be one of them for a while. <laughs> and so, you know, that's just the brass tacks of it all is I think that that's sort of that situation Again, it's all about the bets you want to make, right? I am in a let's take a huge upside swing because I don't think the risk is that much when with the cost you're paying. And anytime I can do that, like I think basically my entire dynasty strategy has warped into trying to find those shots, right? Like trying to make those bets. And so there's that's a cross, right? He just happens to be the one that I'm doing that today with, or, you know, this week or this month or this year. Um, but tomorrow it could be another situation. You know, I, in my rookie drafts, like I'm constantly hunting the guy that can tilt the league. You know, how many guys are there in this classic tilt the league that aren't a quarterback? You know, I think there's probably six of them. And outside of that, they're not ex- expendables is a wrong word probably, but they're not huge difference makers, right? How many of the difference makers can you truly get? Yeah. Antonio Brown's another one because mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, everyone's worried about what's going on with Antonio Brown now with, oh, this civil suits come out. Um, here we go. It's Antonio Brown again. The difference is he's already served the suspension for this suit. He served it in the last suspension that he got. It was included in that. It was a legal case. The legal case got resolved. This is a civil suit. And Antonio Brown is going to have to write a check between thirty dollars and $39,000. At some point, that's going to get paid. doesn't matter. But he's already served the suspension for this. So you can go and tap on 
a player, if you're desperate for like a, a wide receiver three upside play that you can acquire for like a fifth round rookie pick, Antonio Brown is it. Like it's 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 a much smaller scale, but you can buy Antonio Brown pretty cheap now from players because they think, oh, AB's going to go off the rails and he's going to get suspended again because they haven't researched it. And actually, he's already served the suspension for this one. He can't get resuspended for it. So it's another player. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So you mentioned six of the rookies in this class, Jordan. Let, let's talk about some some rookies in these rookie drafts. Yeah. Obviously, rookie drafts, it's the time of year. People have got rookie draft fever. I was in more than I could count on Saturday, and I'm sat there thinking, crikey, like the rest of the offseason is still yet to come. Why do we have to pound these rookie drafts a week after the NFL was drafted late? No one's moving. Nothing's going to happen next week or the week right. after. But obviously, it is that time when everybody's they want to uh, line up their shiny new toys after drafting them. What's been your interest in dynasty startups and, and rookie drafts from your perception in 2021? Because obviously we had the 2020 COVID lockdown draft situation where everyone was just drafting out of pure boredom and got into way too many teams. Have you seen a change in that in, in 2021 or do you think it's the same again because of where we still are sort of? That's a good question. Um, I think people are doing less startup drafts. Um, just my, you know, I've seen a fair amount of them, but I mean, I just know I'm doing less, um, as there's other reasons for that, but, um, I think based on, you know, my, my subscriber chats, I think it's probably down. Um, but I don't, it hasn't fallen through the floor, you know, and I don't, and maybe I have a different level of, of subscriber probably, but I don't think that, you know, they probably don't accurately reflect you know the average the average uh in terms of you know just just people that aren't subscribing places they have a a different connection to their teams i think than people that subscribe um you know and and pay services and consume daily content and all that stuff so it's tough to say generally from what they do but i think that you know I, i i've noticed that there's been um you know a fair amount of it i think it's down from last year but um you know, it's, it's interesting. Right. And I think that this is a time of year that you got to think big picture. Um, and this is a, like, this is a good time of year to get into analytics of dynasty, right? Because you're thinking bigger picture. We're thinking about, you know, moving different, we're thinking about players as assets to use something we talked about earlier, you know, and trying to, you know, identifying those, those opportunities to move between players. Right. And that's something that I spent a lot of time doing pivoting off guys, um, you know, in the rookie draft market, it's, really interesting. You know, I think maybe the most interesting, you know, if you're just looking at super flex drafts, I think the most interesting situation is Travis Etienne because you, you have Najee Harris and him being first round running backs. And those are historically the best bets in, in dynasty in terms of rookies coming in as first round rookie running backs. Uh, and you sort of look at them and you say, okay, they're went pretty close to each other. I don't think there's a major difference in terms of their profiles. They look a little bit different when they play, but you know, they're both pretty good profiles. Neither of them, it wasn't a shock that either of them went there. Um, and yet Najee Harris is going in the mid third rounds of startup drafts and ETN's going in the fifth. ETN looks a lot more like Javante Williams in terms of their cost, right? I think the last I checked and we track it over at the site, the last I checked, uh, it's Travis Etienne's going like 504, Javante Williams is going 510, and Najee Harris is going like 304. So it's a two-round gap between Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, yet it's a six-pick gap or so between uh, Etienne and Williams, right? That's 
to me, that's way too much of a gap, right? You're treating that, that those two first round guys way too differently. Um, so ETN's a, and that's showing up in some of these star and some of the rookie drafts as well. I mean, de- depending on sort of the format and everything you're seeing Harris go three, four, five picks and super flex drafts ahead of ETN. Um, you know, you're seeing Jamar chase jump ahead of, uh, ETN at points. You're seeing Pitts jump ahead of ETN at points. Um, and, and, you know, so you're getting a gap between ETN and, and Harris. I think that's a really interesting thing. You know, this, again, the analytics of dynasty, a lot of it's about patterns and recognizing patterns. There was a big pattern last year, which was something that my research for the 2021 edition kind of like in bright glaring red lights showed that I didn't know. I didn't perceive the impact of until after rookie draft season last year, which was when you look at top 10 quarterbacks, uh, they perform largely random. And so what that means is we're not uh, the order in which they go off in rookie drafts hasn't been predictive of how well they've done. So if we've gone early on guys in rookie drafts, uh, hasn't been uh, within that group uh, of top 10 guys, they haven't performed better than the guys that were uh, later on, right? That we drafted later on as top 10 guys. I think that's pretty significant. The other thing too is the NFL draft order of those top 10 quarterbacks hasn't shown to be statistically significant about uh, predicting success just within that group. So one hasn't historically, or two hasn't historically been better than nine or 10, right? They've been performed largely random. When you see those things, right? That's Justin Herbert, right? That's Justin Herbert. That's Josh Allen from a couple of years ago, right? Those, when those gaps open up and there was huge gaps between Herbert and, and Tua, for example, I mean, there was four five, six rounds in a startup draft uh, market last summer. It was just an enormous gap. And you have to close that down. Like you can't let that get, you, you have to jump in and stop that because you can't treat those, right? That's a clear indication that that's a buy on the guy that's going way later. So for me, that's kind of, that's just reappearing right now with ETN, right? That's reappearing with ETN. The other thing too, is as I look at it, I don't, not a huge fan of Kadarius Tony, but when you sort of look at his profile, I mean, there's a round gap in some spots between him and Jalen Waddle, between him and Devonta Smith. And when you sort of look at their profiles, like it's not anything that's glaringly better between Waddle and, and Tony or glaringly better between Devonta Smith and Tony. And there's a round gap in rookie drafts, right? That's something that, again, I'm not, I'm not a huge Kadarius Tony guy, but at the cost, it's a, it's to me is an interesting bet. You're talking like late second round of, of super flex drafts. You're talking, you know, I guess mid early to mid second round of, of, uh, start one drafts. Like those are really interesting situations. So I, we just, I, I just did a superflex draft for one of my home dynasty leagues and it's 12 teams start three running backs. So, and it's super flex and the quarterbacks are spread really thin across the league and the running backs are even thinner because it is start three. Mm-hmm. Obviously Trevor yeah. Lawrence went number one, but then Kyle Pitts went number two. And then I thought we'd see, we see the quarterbacks back in play, but Najee Harris went three. I was at four. I don't need a quarterback. I do need a running back. And I thought maybe there's a chance that Carter or Sermon will be there early at second. So I took Chase because my wide receiver core is poor. And then mm-hmm. Waddle, Smith, Williams went and it's super flex. And the quarterbacks were still there at the end of the first. 
and then Travis Etienne ended up going 12th. Um, I did absolutely, yeah, I did absolutely everything I could to try and trade back into the end of the first to get to get Etienne at that cost because I thought that's pure value right there. But yeah. nobody bit on my uh, poisoned apple, as it were. But yeah, just just seeing where where Pitts went at two, and then to see the quarterbacks fall in the league where it's superflex and quarterbacks are needy, is blew my mind. Yeah, it's pretty it's crazy. So it's, silly. It's, yeah, it's it's that. <laughs> And the interesting thing about Pitts is like, he's, I don't, I think there's two guys in this class that I just look at and you're like, it's really tough to do that historically. Like Lawrence is a first round startup pick. I mean, <laughs> I just can't get, um, that's expecting a lot. Um, that's expecting a real lot. And we've, and like, you know, people think that he's this sure thing. A couple of years ago, after Baker Mayfield's rookie season, Baker Mayfield was going quarterback four, quarterback three. He went at, at, at the end, the very, very end of that offseason. He was sneaking into quarterback two range. Um, and it was later in the draft because quarterbacks were going later, right? So he was more like a third-round startup, second, maybe third-round startup pick. Um, but he was going relative to the position way more expensive than Lawrence is right when you sort of you know there's a difference between four or three and two and like eight or nine where Lawrence is going right now um but people are making this argument like hey this is a uh you know this is a really safe bet I'm like is it because uh, again the first round wide the first round quarterbacks perform largely random I think there's plenty of I'm not going to say that there's huge holes in Trevor Lawrence's game, but I could sort of poke him, right? I, I think that there's massive questions about how he's going to, how a guy that, um, you know, basically through RPOs at an extraordinary rate, um, you know, you're looking at the, he had, when you go back and look at it, he had amongst the, 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 um, you know, the quick, the, the, PFF has a grade of uh, has a basically breaks passing down into um, quick passes and sort of longer passes or quick, uh, quick dropbacks and long dropbacks. And they use 2.5 seconds. Trevor Lawrence has like the top 10 percentile in terms of quick, you know, percentage of his passes that were two and a half seconds or less of a dropback. And if you look at those guys, it hasn't been a lot of success. Again, does the game look a little bit different now? Yeah, probably. But that's that's a a really interesting dilemma because it that's probably not what he's going to do and there's questions about you know i just question sort of the elite upside of him too you know people when you look at his stats he's very good but if you're looking if you're hunting elite upside um there's other guys in this class that 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 have it better than he does um in terms of there's multiple guys in this class that had better seasons. Justin Fields has a better profile than Trevor Lawrence on, on paper. Um, no, undoubtedly. I don't know why he fell. We could sort of debate that. I'm sure. Um, speaking of cultural debates, um, that's probably a show for another day. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of those things are really interesting. Um, so he's one that's going way too expensive. The other one's pits, right? If you, I understand why you would do it. Like I understand why, and I, there's a tight end premium league that I had that I took him. I, I had some multiple picks up there in like the top, I think I had three top six picks. So I took him up there just because I sort of knew that that would protect what I wanted to get later on. You know, I wanted a, a 
potential shot at Harris. And I knew if I, if I went Harris first, I wasn't going to get pits at that, you know, a few picks later, but if I went uh, pits early, I could get, I had a shot at getting Harris a little bit later. Um, but he's going tight end two and startup drafts. I mean, that's just, and you look at the guys that we've gone really early on at tight at tight end, right? You look at the guys that have basically been first round rookie picks in terms of going back historically, they have not been good. <laughs> uh, they have not performed. They have not been elite. I should say um, it's been, um, you know, OJ Howard was in there. Kobe Fleener, Tyler Eifer. I mean, stop me when you, you hear a big time difference maker, cause I'm going to be going for a while and there's not any, um, you know, that those types of guys have gone really early and, you know, that's now we're going to make pits the most expensive one ever. I, I just don't typically like doing the, the most expensive ever. Uh, it's just not usually how I like to build. So I've been trying to pivot where I could. Um, but those are the two guys that to me, it's really interesting in terms of when you stack them up historically, they're, they're glaring sirens of danger. So with pits going so early, obviously tight end premium, changes that significantly because of his his upside of from what we've seen in college with titan premium do you think that boosts pat freermuth into round one conversation in in titan premium i haven't seen him going there so i haven't seen him going there uh and we track titan premium that's our basically default uh setting in terms of drafts that we track so we track Superflex flex titan premium uh, i haven't seen him going there but i do think like he's and I did this last year with Cole Clement. Uh, basically, you get a kind of a round two tight end that tends to fall into the second round. You know, at times you could get Clement in the third round of rookie drafts. Like that's a smash. You just you just take that and you just move on, right? And you, that's how you kind of build depth at the position. Um, and it's at a discount to me. So I have been in on him in that range of like the later second round. I think that's totally appropriate for Frymouth. I haven't seen him jump up in the first and and uh, very much in any of the data that I've been tracking uh, in terms of rookie drafts. I, I I just find it interesting that people like for me the, this tight end this rookie tight end class is is fascinating because you've got Pitts who's incredibly overvalued, <laughs> and then you have the rest. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I would lay. The only the only tight end I would I would even draft this year based off ADP is Tommy Tremble. <laughs> He's literally the only one I, I I even want to consider because Pitts massively overdrafted. Frymouth massively overdrafted. When was the last time that the Steelers with that coaching staff had a really relevant prevalent tight end? With all those mouths to feed, do we really think Frymouth is gonna Good player, don't get me wrong, but do we really think he's going to be uh, a great option for what you're going to pay in a rookie? You know, I'd rather buy a lottery ticket to a wide receiver or running back at that range of what he's going to cost. Hunter Long in, in Miami, same thing. Like, it just, it's the most underwhelming. In fact, no, last year's tight end class was the most <laughs> underwhelming tight end. But this isn't far behind. If he didn't have pits in it, I think you'd just fade it completely. But I, I just don't want any part of it. But one thing that did get me interested there, you were talking about um, Trevor Lawrence's ceiling and I was just having a think and I've been thinking about it and I still can't think of the last time a rookie head coach took a first round quarterback and it worked out. 
Now, I'm sure there is one. I can't think of one. Because the last instances I can think of are Wilkes took Rosen in Arizona. And that didn't work out. Um, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury took Kyler Murray. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Cliff Kingsbury uh, took yeah, Kyler Murray. Yeah, there's always one. That's right. There we go. That's one. Because I was trying to think like, uh, uh, you know, and I think Peterson took Wentz. Um, Neither of them are on the team. So, uh, yes, they won the Super Bowl. (laughs) So it's kind of a gray area. Starting a quarterback. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, exactly. it's a gray area. But yeah, I, I, you know, the the record of it isn't good. Um, And I think that that would be that's my cause for thought on on. I, do you really want to throw in? I, I've watched Urban Meyer football intently, being a Gator. I I am not sure I would want much of an Urban Meyer offense um, at the prices of what you're paying for the premium for Etienne. For you know, like like you said, you mentioned the cost between Etienne and Williams could be Williams all day long. For if they're going to be in that bracket, I just think for me, that's. I just don't trust the coaching staff to deliver the expectations that are going to be on that team. Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I'm the exact opposite. Like I would take ETN. And I bet I don't think I think one of the things that we're not good at historically has been predicting situation. So um I usually caution about saying, hey, you know, I, I I have some pretty strong feelings about Urban Meyer. Um, but I will just say that uh, I don't think that we're particularly good at predicting situation. Um, and so for me, again, if, if situation is what's call, causing ETN to fall two rounds, like, yeah, let's do, let, I'll smash that. Like, that's fine. Um, and I, I think you have to, you know, with Javante Williams, it's a, historically it's a mass it, first round running backs hit about 82% of the time. Um, and it's going up, right. It has gone up in recent years. The, the, um, you know, when I first started tracking it, it was like in the seventies, you know, I think it was like in the lower seventies. And then as we've sort of gotten more data, it's just been going up and up and up. Um, second round guys, about 55%. So just from a base rates perspective, like you're, you're taking a massive loss by taking Javante Williams over, over ETN, um, you know, will it, it's possible it works out. I think it's negative EV would sort of be my, would be my thought. Um, and it's a tough, you can't make those bets very often. Uh, you can't make the bets that go against, you know, draft pedigree in that way. Um, there's other bets that I think you, you can make in this class that, that sort of break that, you know, I, I typically don't treat guys drafted outside the top 10 at quarterback, uh, like top 10 quarterbacks, because, you know, that's a specific tier. I think there's an argument. Well, I'm including Fields in that this year just because uh, you know he's at 11. I don't think the difference between 10 and 11 is all that big. And I think Mac Jones. You could sort of argue that he fits in that top tier too. I mean, we could debate that. Um, you know, I think about how, about how you think about that. Um, you know, but you, but generally speaking, I follow the. I like to follow the rules, and then I make exceptions here and there. But uh, with it, with going Williams over Etienne, that gives me concern, just because historically that's a very dangerous. That's a very dangerous road to go down. Um, yeah, and I, yeah. I I agree with you. I think I think it is. I think the the things that caused me to to go with that is one. I really love the fact that Denver traded up to get him. And typically, data suggesting that that 
running backs that are traded up or teams that have traded up to get their running back in the second round hit a much, much higher rate than the standard. So, you know, <clears throat> that's something that always gives me some some real optimism. And and I just I just don't see Melvin Gordon on this team. I just don't see him on his team. And I and I look at the path to 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 where Javonta Williams can be relevant. You look at the fact they've cleared house there. You look at the fact the situation and they've traded up to get him. Melvin Gordon's got his off field issues. Yes, okay, they're kind of cleared up, but you know, they they've got rid of everyone else there. I just think it's it's looking I mean, I guess the, the question is is short term over long term. See so yeah. in redraft all day long, I would go Williams over over Etienne. And I wouldn't hesitate because I think the situation is a slightly more cloudy situation in, in Jacksonville. But I think yeah, maybe long term you can you can definitely make the case in Dynasty for for Etienne. Yeah, but yeah, I, that's that's kind of where I'm coming at it from, and that's the lens that I look at it through. And I haven't given I'll be interested to see what they do with Gordon. I haven't looked at the the contract stuff either in terms of what it would cost to cut him and all that stuff. Um, and I, for, I, I thought I it's looked a at, significant saving. Is it? I thought they had a bunch of dead money is, is what I thought, but I, I could be wrong on that. Um, I'll have to go back and look at that, but that'd be interesting. I mean, the other one that, that uh, people think that I'm crazy on, um, well, at least the analyst community has thought I'm crazy on that. Um, the market seems to agree with me on, which is always nice, uh, is Trey Sermon. And I think in start one, I would get to six at my rookie draft and I would sit there and I would bang on Trey Sermon every chance I could get. Um, I, I don't do situation. I don't, that's not part of typically what I do in terms of evaluating rookies in terms of, um, you know, in terms of evaluating rookies or in, in terms of evaluating players, I think situations highly, highly in flux and we're not particularly good at it. So it's a rare exception that I, that I look at situation. The last time that I can remember actually, you know, looking at a situation and being like, this is a massive, massive value opportunity is Kamara in New Orleans. I think Sermon is that type of situation. Um, I think, I think Sermon to San Francisco is a Kamara to New Orleans type feel to it and the the upside in that backfield is really high um he's a three down guy i don't think there's you know i like raheem moster um i like jeff wilson um i uh long term i don't think they're probably long-term answers and maybe this is a scenario that mm. you know one of the things we tend to see patterns appear uh in terms of day two running backs and it's usually halfway through the season and th- that holds up, right? You looked at last year, there was a lot of, even the, the quote, real good ones, right? Taylor, uh, last year, it was up and down in terms of his, his usage. Remember, he got benched for a time for, uh, for Jordan Wilkins, right? I mean, that was, uh, you know, people were running, <laughs> running to the fire alarm on that one. Um, but, oh, yeah. but DeAndre Swift, uh, Dobbins, right? All acres. And it was like week 10 before that happened. You sort of look at that in that mid-season range, and whether that's injury attrition for guys in front of them, whether that's just understanding the playbook, whatever it is, that is sort it's and, and I've done research that sort of suggest uh, it's about eight games that you could expect starter, you know, top, top 24 projected games out of them, which sort of matches up with what intuitively we see. And so for me, you know, that's awesome because uh, you know, if Sermon's going to come on, that's right when I want him to come on. 
right? If, if Javante Williams is going to come on, I want him to come on in the second half of the season. So that way he sort of adds me some juice coming down the stretch. I like those situations. So, and I'm willing to be patient. Um, and I think like, I think sermon is just, you know, we talk about the bets you want to make the, uh, the high upside ones that, at, that aren't that expensive, right? He's the, he's the swing there. Who's, you know, I said that there's six guys in this class that I think they can make a difference, right? They can truly change, you know, change the arc, um, it's, it's Pitts, it's Jamar Chase and it's, uh, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, and it's Trey Sermon. And the, the market has fortunately, and I'm happy about this. The market has largely agreed with me, um, in terms of where they've put him, where initially some of the analyst community was pretty uh, far off of that. I thought that was really fascinating that, um, you know, we'll see how it turns out, but I was interested, I, I, Without knowing it, I was really interested to see that I was in line exactly with where the dynasty community at large was. Well, I'm hugely appreciative of that last statement, Jordan, because of those six players, I own 33% in my last dynasty home league draft. So happy days on that one. So <laughs> <laughs> we like to hear. We like to, we like those. And it's fun too, because like I will be overbearingly aggressive in terms of getting to where I want to get in terms of you know, specific situations. Kamara was one where I went up the board. I went down the board. I got to seven in that class. I sat at seven and, and I took him well above ADP at seven. Cause I think he ended up going uh, like one eleven was his ultimate ADP that off season. And so I was aggressive to getting to that spot. And I've tried the same thing with sermon. <laughs> I have had very little success. <laughs> I've got him. He's probably my most uh, rostered rookie, but it's only like 25%. And I'd be fine going 65, 70, 80% if I could. Um, I just haven't been able to get to that spot, which is, I don't know. I got to, I don't know if it's just the, the class this year, it's harder to do it with or what, but I've, I've been largely unsuccessful so i'm glad that you're sort of on the, the board of these guys because i've had a hard time getting it out so we're, we're with sermon i think you're right i think people are, are maybe down on him more than they should be where have you seen if you're not able to go up and get him to where you feel comfortable moving to where have you where are you seeing him going then that's a great question so um the analytics analyst dynasty we actually track uh tra- yeah, easy for me to say track rookie drafts um and so we we sort of know where he's going uh, and so it's uh, it's pretty helpful in terms of being able to put together uh, a rookie board, being able to put together a rookie draft plan to know where where these guys are going. So in Superflex drafts, we have him at a at a median. Uh, we use median instead of average because it tells you basically kind of where your fifty fifty shot is. We've got him at two hundred two, um, and so yeah, so basically he's going, um, and it kind of works. Uh, there's some tiers that have developed. Um, it's basically Mac Jones is at 111 is his median. Jalen Waddles at 111. Tavon Smith's at 111, and Trey Sermon's at 202. Um, I would go uh, the way that I would draft it would be I wouldn't have a receiver over Sermon besides Jamar Chase. He's the only receiver I'd have over Sermon, um, and I have Bateman. I basically have uh, Mac Jones, uh, Bateman, and Sermon as a tier. And I would go Mac Jones, Sermon, Bateman in that order, in that tier. Um, I, I think with Mac Jones, you know, I, I, you could pitch me to take the Sermon side of it. I think I think Sermon's probably got more elite upside maybe than, than Mac Jones does, right? Um, but I think that 
that, yeah, that I think you'll lose the Mac Jones side of that less often than you lose the Trey Sermon side and you, you lose uh-huh. it. You don't take a catastrophic loss, right? Where I'm okay taking a catastrophic loss. Like I'll take the huge upside high risk bat. I'm fine doing that at running back. Um, but I think with, 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 uh, Mac Jones, you've got a lot of outs, right? And historically, I think the odds are that you look at that profile first round rookie quarterbacks tend to go up in price. I don't know if this year's the, the right class to say that about, cause they're all so expensive, but Mac Jones isn't. And so he's going like eighth round to startup drafts. Like there's plenty of opportunity for him to, you know, if he doesn't just fall on his face and embarrass himself on national television, he's going to go up in price sort of the way that I look at it. You know, as long as he doesn't Mark Sanchez himself, he's going to be, he's probably not going to lose a ton of value this year. And most likely he'll be up would sort of be my bet. And so that gives me options to sell him. Um, You know, there's a chance that Sermon never really gets a full opportunity, whatever. And that could turn to dust. Again, I'm willing to make that bet. I just think in terms of when you stack up those bets that Mac Jones is probably the Mac Jones is the one I feel more comfortable with ahead of sermon. Um, but after that, you know, and, and you don't need to, usually you don't need to take sermon ahead of Mac Jones to get sermon, right? You kind of can take, you can take Mac Jones and then take sermon, but that's, that's really where I've been attacking him anywhere after the Mac Jones, you know, 110, 111 range right in there. I'm fine to going up and getting them and passing over all the wide receivers, not named Jamar Chase to do it. Yeah, I love that. I just um, I'm in a dynasty rookie draft with a lot of the guys from the Warrior Bowl, um, and so I. <clears throat> so it was interesting. So it started off at the weekend with I got an offer of <clears throat> um, acquiring Hill Tyreek Hill for Terry McLaurin in a 2022 first, mm-hmm. which intrigued me uh, a lot. Because my team is set up to to win now, I took a I moved a lot around the board to get a lot of high value pieces mm-hmm. um, in the startup draft, and then I was like, well, I can't. The only reason I can't do this is that I do have two old QBs as backup. So I have my I have Dak and I have Lamar Jackson as my starters, but then it's Cam Newton who's not going to have the job after this year, and and Ben who. Big Ben, who's probably not going to have the job after this year. So I'm like, well, I can't do this without, without, you know, and losing the 2022 first means I can't draft a quarterback next year. So I sat on it. The way the board fell, Mac Jones fell to 111. So he worked in part of that deal. A move for me to trade up to get the 111 uh, because I had three second round picks. So I moved up to 111 and I moved up in the second round to move up to the 204, trading off the 205, 206, 207 um, as part of and the 2022 first. And then I moved up in the fourth round and, and gave back the, I moved the, the last pick of the fifth round and moved up to the 402. So it was quite a long, complicated draw, but the whole plan was to, Upgrade wide receiver in the short term, so take Hill over McLaurin. Um, then take Mac Jones because now I've got Cam. I've got that that position locked mm-hmm. for going forward. And I moved up in the second round to get Trey Sermon, which is what I got. 
So now, it, for me, like the board, the way I've shaked the board out, <clears throat> it's cost me to acquire Hill. So it's I got Hill, Sermon, and Mac Jones for um, McLaurin, three seconds and a first next year. Yeah, I mean, take the. You, I I like the league changing bats. <laughs> that's just that's just my nature. So I, you know, Hill represents yeah, one of those. So and so does Sermon. Jordan, we are rapidly approaching the end of this second act of you coming on Five Yard. Do you have anybody in sort of rounds two, rounds three, rounds four, and even rounds five if your rookie drafts are that deep that you're, that you're targeting that perhaps people don't necessarily know to target in those rounds? That's a good question. I found myself, um, those are typically, to me, running backs and tight end ranges. Um, so Tommy Tremble's one that, you know, further down the line, I think it's interesting. Um, so he's one, you know, I, I am a, I am a, uh, I constantly try to collect falling pedigree, especially at tight end, because I think that's just a, a way to give yourself a lot of options. So if you can get a day two guy round three, round four, they're almost always a target in that zone. So, um, so those guys, I think McKitty there too, he's uh, has a lesser of a profile, but he's falling to such a range that I'll just sort of, plug my nose and just take them <laughs> in a fourth round of rookie drafts type deal. It's kind of do that. Um, the other two guys that I've found myself in on a lot, um, and I don't even necessarily love one of them, but Chuba Hubbard seems like he's got the inside draw on uh, a one injury away role in Carolina. Uh, so that's really interesting in, t- in the, the third round of rookie drafts. Um, I've been sort of prioritizing him in that range uh, because there's a lot of, you know, we've seen it with Mike Davis, right? We, we have seen it. If you get, if you can get a shot at having an injury away guy and you have a bunch of them that can really break your way in a really strong way. Um, and so Chuba Hubbard's one of those guys. The other one that uh, he's going after Chuba Hubbard, uh, but Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots. And he's really interesting because the profile is like not great in terms of he's a little bit older, but he's big. He can move. Didn't test well, but I think moves better than he tested. Uh, and he has two way ability. Uh, you look at, you look at some of the advanced stats, one of the best guys in terms of yards after contact in this class. And one of the best guys in terms of yards per route run in this class so you sort of combine the, Hey, he can do something on the ground above, above baseline, and he can do stuff in the air above baseline. And you sort of look at that situation and say, ah, it looks kind of buried, but I think Sony Michelle, you know, there's some rumblings that maybe he doesn't make the team again. If Ramondre Stevenson is the one injury away guy in 2022, I'm fine with the cost that I've paid for him. Um, and I think that the biggest beneficiary of Mac Jones. Uh, the, the thing that about the signing uh, the draft pick of Mac Jones, it's really, really interesting to me is I think it's going to unlock their running game because they ran at just by far the most quarterback runs in the red zone last year. I think they ran, you know, it was, it was like 45% of their plays in the red zone, something like that was quarterback runs, which is just an outrageously high number uh, that number and, and a huge amount of them, a huge amount of their rushes down there were uh, quarterback runs as well. You put Mac Jones in, I don't think that's going to be the case. 
and you get uh, Damian Harris is one that I really like as a beneficiary and Ramondre Stevenson similarly, right? I think that it's, the writing's kind of been on the wall for Sony Michelle for a little bit now. And I think that you know, some of the rumors this offseason point to that as well. I think Ramondre Stevenson's one that, you know, if this turns into much more of a Tom Brady like offense, that there's 10, 12, 15 touchdowns on the ground available. You just have to kind of figure out who it is. You almost look at Blount Rowler of a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> and he's, you know, people will sort of make that comp because of where he landed and all that stuff. But LeGarrette Blunt didn't really catch, right? Ramondre Stevenson can catch, mm-hmm. which is really nice. You know, you take, I love, I'm a sucker for big guys that can catch and move. Uh, again, I don't think Ramondre Stevenson tested all that great, but I do think he moves probably better than he tested and he can catch and run and so that's a really uh intoxicating profile to me and he's big <laughs> you forgot that this guy is a absolute he's, monster he's, he's big very big <laughs> very big uh, and part of the reason why honestly part of the reason why trey sermon left oklahoma so let's not you know let's, let's not uh let's not forget sort of the the context of which his production came so um, and again he's a juco transfer he's, he's a little bit older got all those those sorts of concerns and i get that but at the cost again i look for bets that can way out produce their cost I mean, you're gonna take two two at well or you're gonna take the guy that could potentially you know find himself in line for a touchdown a game type role at some point give me the guy i could find himself in a touchdown per game type role so before we get to your spicy dynasty hot take for 2021, have you got a brief summary of advice for rookie pick trading and rookie drafts? Because I think there's there's a definitely discrepancy at the moment between rookie pick value and and what people should be trading away or trading for with rookie picks. Yet sometimes perhaps people don't quite understand the value of either the players they're trading picks for or the picks value themselves. That's a good question. I, I think that there's a dead zone, what I call the the zone of death in rookie drafts <laughs> this year. And it's after it's basically like in the mid second, kind of after the first round wide receivers go off the board, after the day two running backs go off the board, after Fryermuth. After that, it's a pretty big chasm. So again, I've been in on Hubbard and, and Stevenson just because I have picks there. Um, but if I can use those picks to sort of vault up the board to target Trey Sermon, for example, I'm doing it. Um, Bateman, I'm doing it. Um, you know, those are, those picks are expendable, at least in my, in my mind this year. Um, and, it, you know, identifying, you know, that's part of the, what I really like about how we put together the analytics of dynasty is it gives you an idea of what the players are worth. Right. So I can love Ramondre Stevenson, about 40, uh, about 20% of fourth round running backs have hit for a top 12 season, a top 24 seasonal finish. It's not a great, number right and so when you kind of can jump a tier when you jump up to uh third round guys it's like 45 percent right so that's a massive difference so you sort of you know hey i can do uh i can trade two of those picks for a guy that you know just doing those sorts of constructions uh for a guy that's got a much higher hit rate that's that those are the types of things that i think you'll be able to really um, do in an informed way that I think will make you uh, a better dynasty owner generally. Love that. Love that. Right. I alluded to it. Jordan, do you have a spicy hot dynasty take for 2021? I have a spicy hot dynasty take for 2021. I'm, I'm a little lukewarm dynasty take guy. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, <laughs> um, I'll say, um, I'll say that, um, 
Yeah, I as a general rule, I think that the top uh, that the top twenty four the the wide receivers that have uh, multiple hits on their resume and the top twenty four uh, is top twenty four hits that have um, you know that are twenty eight or younger in that sort of range that they're generally uh, underpriced. Uh, that would be one thing that I would say. I think that Russell Wilson's probably the most underpriced. Uh, existing veteran. Um, so that's, that's a, I don't know how hot takey that is. I'll say this in terms of a hot take, like the hottest take I can come up with, I think of the guys that came out last year, uh, at the running back position, I think Deandre Swift has the best chance of producing a running back one overall finish. And I don't think that that's baked into his cost. So he's been one that I've really been targeting in terms of trying to figure out ways to pivot towards him. He's one that I, I am sky high on his upside. That's, that's yeah, medium spice. I'd say that's, that's not quite up there with the extra hot Nando's we've had of late Jordan, but it's not lemon and herb cool either. So we'll, we'll let you, we'll let you have those few that you've thrown in there. Listen, if people forgot, in the period between when you announced it and just now where they can find all your stuff, go ahead, man, make your case, where are you available on the internet, where podcasts, absolutely everything. Plug yourself. Hey, is uh, Matt Stafford's got quarterback one upside. Uh, how spicy is that hot take? Is that, is that, is that more along the lines? Uh, everyone, everyone buys that. I hear that every year. <laughs> I feel like that that's like recycled from last year <laughs> and the year before and the year before. Now, if you came out and said Jared Goff has up, you know, QB1 upside, I'd be like, yep, straight there, locked in it. Uh, you realize who's... I was looking at some of the odds for the for the MVP. Stafford is, like, top five, which just... Oh, I, I almost tripped over, like, my toddler when I was walking. <laughs> I was like, what? Isn't, isn't his odds higher than Tom Brady? Yeah, I think so, which is awesome. I own, I have him on a ton of my leagues. I, I, I love it. I gotta go get more. I don't, the, the, it's a clear disconnect. I mean, he's going quarterback 15 range I and mean, that's outrageously low for someone with that high of upside in terms of the market. That's a really interesting one. So, um, uh, so that would be another one that I think it's a little hotter, I guess. Um, yeah. So, uh, analytics, I actually did a, uh, 10% off, um, the books. So you can get the 2021 edition or the, uh, you can do the bundle. I got 10% off of them. Use the coupon code rush, uh, is, uh, to, to go over there at analytics dynasty, use the coupon code rush to get 10% off the books. Um, yes. And go ahead, check them out again. If you want to subscribe to the site, uh, the 2021 editions included with your membership to with the year long membership to the site. So go ahead, sign up over there. Um, we've got a really uh, awesome community. It's actually an international community too. We have people from, uh, I've got people in Europe. I've got people in, um, in South America, we've got, uh, folks in Australia too. So we're sort of racking up the kind you know, a lot of, uh, Canadian folks as well. So, um, folks from all over. So we'd love to have, uh, you know, we'd love to have some people from across the pond join us in our, in our group meet chat. It always keeps it interesting because you can tell, you know, when people are awake, uh, <laughs> about when the messages are coming in and, you know, it'll be, someone will come in and there'll be like 14 hours difference and they'll just have like, you know, seven, eight likes right in a row. And I'm like, he just woke up. So, <laughs> so yeah, so come on, join us over analytics of dynasty and, uh, and, you know, get into some more dynasty startups. And, and this is, uh, the best time of year to be studying some theory and, uh, and thinking about big picture dynasty questions. So, yeah, analyticsdynasty.com. And if you have any questions, go ahead, hit me up on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty. My DMs are always open. 
Love that. Make sure you use that discount code. See, that that's a real uh, honor. We appreciate you for that. So we'll make sure we put the details in the show notes. Take advantage of it. Honestly, it's, you're just going to be a better player. It's a great investment. Um, as you say, it is an investment. So make sure you, you go ahead and download those and, and check out everything Jordan's doing. Absolutely. Lee uh, Murph mentioned it earlier that we're going to put the last show we did with Jordan in the show notes. Lee's put it into the Twitter thread. So if you are watching on Twitter or you want to go check it out, it's there in this thread. We'll also put it into the show notes. Jordan, listen, man, appreciate your time. Loved having you back on. We, will mo- we won't take as long to have you back next time, that's for sure. So, yeah. You guys, anytime, anytime. I like this. This is a perfect time, too. You guys like, hey, you guys want to do evening? I'll be like, yeah, it's mid-afternoon here. Perfect. This is, this is awesome. So anytime <laughs> you guys want, uh, let me know. I'll be glad to come back on. Well, we will definitely hit you up real soon. Murph, pleasure as always big man rush nation don't forget to head over to the website to get your pdf version of the 2021 playbook or amazon is there as a paperback form right now go get it if you do buy it and you do enjoy it we would love a little five-star review on amazon just to keep us up there in the polls but rush nation until next time don't forget as always keep rushing HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.